Great chiropractors and physical therapists are under constant pressure of declining insurance reimbursements and long hours. But did you know there's a way to double your profit without working more? By building a gym onto your practice, you can earn more income, stabilize your business, and be a hero to your family, patients, and team. It's a big undertaking with a huge reward. Dr. Josh Satterley has done it, changed his life, and now wants to help you do the same. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Welcome to Clinic Gym Radio, where we believe that trading time for money is for suckers. Insurance companies are the enemy, and the best way to maximize your license is to add a gym to your clinic. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I am very excited today because I have a special guest whose name shall not be spoken, and uh, I'll get to it. But for right now, we're going to call him Matt. How you doing, Matt? Doing great. Yeah, so Matt, our, uh, our guest today, is an expert in commercial real estate, and uh, I asked him to kind of go dive deep into the, the ideas and the rules around commercial real estate to kind of help some of our listeners out who have those questions. And we got kind of so deep down the rabbit hole that you're kind of revealing a little bit more maybe than uh, you should have, right, Matt? Yeah, I just feel that it's if, if I'm going to be truly honest with a lot of people about how some of this works, it's better just keep certain things under wraps. Yeah, that's fine. So the goal of this uh, episode is to help people who are on the fence about moving forward to add a gym because they really have some questions about commercial real estate, moving to a bigger space, negotiating a lease. Maybe they're a young associate that you know has never actually negotiated a lease for the first time. So uh, Matt, our advisor, will kind of guide us through some, we're talking about the basics, right? Very simple things here. Yeah, let's just keep it high level and not dig too deep down the rabbit hole. Don't forget that. If we're using an alias, man, we're going to, we're going to get down to your blood type here pretty soon. (laughs) So yeah. All right. So, uh, I kind of asked, pulled some people and and got questions here and I just want to kind of go down a list of questions I have about some very basic. So starting out, we always recommend the fastest way for somebody to, to get a new space is to, uh, find a commercial real estate agent. Now I want to repeat that. That's a commercial real estate agent, not just a real estate agent, but what are some differences between commercial and, and kind of the normal residential real estate agents? So, well, one of the big things with this is the licensing is the same. So in every state, you go to a bunch of classes and you take the license exam and everybody comes out with that same piece of paper. Mm-hmm. What ends up being different is commercial agents generally working at their brokerage, have a full-time commitment that they have to make working there. And residential shops typically allow people to work a little bit more, however they feel like coming into the office. Right. So this would be like saying that you know an MD has the same license as another MD, but one of them is a cardiologist and the other one is a, uh, is a uh, like endocrinologist. Exactly. Totally, totally different, but it looks like the license is the same. Exactly. And so your experience that a commercial agent has is going to be more specialized towards that. But one of the big things you want to do is make sure you find a commercial agent that is working in the specialty of the space that you're looking for. So, so for, our, for yeah. people listening here, you may be moving into, say, a retail center, right? Exactly. Which is very different in commercial space than an industrial Correct. Or um, what are some other what are some other deals? Uh, you've got people that specialize in land, hotels, apartments. Okay. You know, and so, then it even breaks down further to where you do have leasing specialists in these different sections, and then you have people that specialize more in sales. Cool. So most of the people listening, Matt, are are going to be kind of opening up a space that's probably three to maybe seven thousand square feet. Going to be a blended space, a gym, and a and a healthcare clinic. Correct. Um, which in the world of commercial real estate, it's kind of small fish, right? It's that's about the average size deal, actually. It, okay. It's not huge, but it's but it's a it's good reasonable. Spa- it, it's a good starting space. Oh yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. Uh, so if somebody was looking for their first commercial agent, they've never done this before. Can you give us some basic ideas of, of what do you suggest they do to find that person? One of the big things that I always tell people is do not hire on your brother-in-law or your nephew or somebody that just got their real estate license and let them practice with you being the guinea pig. 
Right. This is something you're going to be paying a lot of money for over a lot of years. Correct. So you want to find the right person that's going to kind of... Somebody that's going to have your best interests in mind and actually know how to be out there protecting you. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and secondly, like, how do I find this person? I mean, like, if I'm not using my family... Um, how would I f- go about finding a decent commercial agent? Yeah, one of the first things I do is I drive around the space that you you know the area you want to be in. Look at the signs. You're going to see signs all in front of retail centers, industrial spaces, and stuff. And then look at those brokerages and see what they have on their website. If they're mostly commercial, what the resumes of the agents are, and things like that. And then start reaching out to some of those agents and see what their thoughts are and if they would show you some space, things like that. Now, I just want to be clear here because this is a mistake I almost fell into and luckily Matt saved me is when you're driving around looking at the signs, you want to call an agent, not the, you want to call a commercial real estate agent, not the property manager or the owner of the place that's saying, oh yeah, come on in. You don't even need anybody. We'll help you out. We'll take care of you. That is like a that's like the scene in a Jurassic Park where the goat is tied to the stick, right? And the T-Rex is walking around. Exactly. So you don't want to end up, really, you don't want to end up dealing directly with the landlord or the landlord's agent because you're, you're really stepping into the ring with a trained fighter. And you may have seen a fight on TV once, but you're going to get killed. Yeah. And remember, when you hire a commercial real estate agent, you know, the term agent really means that they're working for you, right? They're, they have your best interest in mind. They don't, they don't care what the landlord wants. They care about what their client wants, which is you in this case, right? Yeah, that's correct. And what we would always do is we'd say, hey, I work for the landlord, and I'm going to kind of lead you down the path, but you have, you're responsible for getting this lease looked at by an attorney and, and taking care of this. Absolutely, and we both have close friends that have been screwed over in deals that— Big time. Yeah, there was some fine print that wasn't read or wasn't understood, and— and that's the job. I mean, you know, anytime that you're an agent for somebody else, you protect them. So fantastic. Well, uh, so when they do see, you know, kind of use the, I think that there's a good rule. If you see this, if you go to a few different parts of town and you keep seeing the same sign for, you know, we have a friend, uh, Adam, I won't say his last name, but you know, Adam's brokerage, you'll see his yeah. signs 15, 20 places across town, right? Maybe exactly. More. That's a good sign that this is probably a bigger entity. Yeah. It's a and look them or, up online. It's not a secret out there. Everybody has their stuff out online. Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to move these properties. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a website, like say one of the larger commercial brokerages, look at an agent and it'll have all their listings on there and you'll right. be able to see. So like really a, a national branch, like uh, I know like CB Richard Ellis, that's yes. a huge, huge real estate company across the nation, right? Correct. Yeah. And so they, you would find that agent listed under that national brand. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. And a lot of times you can, once you're comfortable with, say, CB Richard Ellis, uh, Collier's, Avis and Young, one of these different, you know, large commercial companies, you can literally call the front desk and say, hey, I'd like to talk to somebody about finding some space. And they'll start directing you to whoever you need to talk to in there that specializes in your your particular need. Fantastic. Well, a good way to, uh, to do it is, I, I always think, is find a place that's way to your league. And uh, and at, yep. and call that person's office, and you're going to re- refer down the tree, right? But whoever they refer you to, they obviously trust, right? Yeah, you'll get down to somebody that's you know it, it, that's qualified to do the deal. And you got to remember that the brokers that are running the office in these commercial shops are really involved in the deals. Their oversight is a lot more stringent than you would find in other places. Yeah, when I was in college, I had absolutely no game, and so I'd always you know find the hottest chick around at a bar. <laughs> And there's no there's no way I was gonna hook up with her, but the chance of hooking up with one of her a little bit less attractive friends was much higher than her, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's all about closing the deal. That's right. It's exactly that. <laughs> so, um, so once you look them up online and you're confident that that person is who you want to deal with, what are some first steps? And, and I want to make sure that people know the next step is not trying to seal the deal. The next step is not going to a space, right? There's kind of Correct. some middle ground that you should go through. Yeah, one of the big things that they're going to do is they're going to really sit down and do some Q&A with you. And this could happen over the phone. One of the big things that they're going to want to do is get a solid understanding of what you're looking for. Right. Um, You know, as we discussed in the past and Mm -hmm. looking at space, just because you like where a building is and the location and the looks of it doesn't mean 
that that building is going to be able to fit your use and size. Yeah, I mean, you know, my history with Matt, one of the situations he helped me out with was, you know, we were opening a, a blended gym and and clinic, and so we looked at a space that was very clinical. I mean, it was very medical oriented, and luckily, you told us like, hey, this is not going to work for a gym. You can't have sweaty bodies moving into these doors at a high rate. You know, like this is a very button down kind of. Uh, white shirt with a tie kind of building. And it just doesn't work for a gym. Yeah, and a lot of that is, is a landlord even going to allow a gym to go in there? That That's a big consideration that you have to look into. Yeah. All right, so if we look at, uh, you know, find some time find some time to meet with this person, call them up, you're going to get a hold of them online. Yeah, right? well, Or you're going to call them up there at their office and then find some time to maybe grab coffee and kind of make sure they understand what the space is that you're looking for. Yeah, and even if they don't want to grab coffee, they may just want to do an interview over the phone for a while. One of the big things they're going to do is try and get a solid understanding of what you are looking for and what your needs are and see if that's actually a realistic use that fits within the available buildings within the market. Uh, one of the other things is... is are you in a financial position that they can put in front of the landlord to get the landlord to sign off and be interested in bringing you in as a part of his building? There's one thing you have to remember is for the landlords, this is a business and they're not interested in losing money. They're, they're interested in having the right tenant for a long time. Exactly. So if you have a brand new, if you have a growing city, like say Austin, Texas, right? It's it's booming right now. And a landlord owns a building at the corner of, two major streets and you know they're going to want an anchor tenant that can be there for decades correct yeah and so if you're looking like the fly-by-night newcomer they just don't want to talk to you exactly and you know one of the other big things is they're going to be interested what's your time frame you know are you looking to be moving into this build into your new space in six months you know a year where where are you at with that? Sure. One of the big things with commercial real estate is the time frames are typically a lot longer and it takes time to get through a lot of these processes and just find buildings that open up. That yeah, work. I mean, you know, the residential world is typically like, oh, I find a house I like, I make an offer and 30 days later I'm my boxes are inside, right? Exactly. It is a complete sprint in residential real estate where with Res, you know, with commercial real estate, you're looking at more of a marathon type scenario. Yeah. So this agent's gonna, you know, kind of make sure that they find the right building in the right place, find the right landlord match, and then find a person that's going to be willing to hopefully. I think a good agent really does some work to make sure that that there is literally a match between the tenant and the landlord, and that uh, that there's some uh, what do you say win win situation being set up, right? Yeah, it has to all balance out. Right. So that's going to take a lot of time on their part, and they're going to do a lot of work. How do they get paid? Well, typically with leases, it's similar to a house. It's on a percentage basis. And so what you do is a lease, the agent's going to be paid on the value of that lease deal. And so if, say, over five years, there's $60,000 worth of income, they're going to get a percentage of that paid by the owner of the building. Because it's in the owner's best interest to pay good agents to bring them good clients. So that's where this kind of checks and balances system works out. Exactly. Okay, fantastic. And if they're purchasing a, a, a space, who pays who pays for the uh, commission to the agent in that case? Well, you know, in commercial real estate, that's kind of a tricky subject because it is all open to negotiation. And we you see it all over the place. And sometimes if you're representing a representing the buyer, you've got to bring your own commission with you. Okay. Uh, I, I would say in this size deal, nobody that you're dealing with here is going to have to typically worry about coming out of pocket on commission. Okay. The landlords understand that. All right. So, so cool. So now uh, agents help me out. We're looking, we're finding some good spaces. I'm looking around. And now let's say it's a lease situation. Lease comes forward. And, you know, one of the things that I had never heard of before we negotiated our first lease was something called a TI allowance, um, which you, you, taught me stands for tenant improvement allowance. Can you kind of go into what that means? So the tenant improvement allowance is the amount of money that the landlord is typically going to put towards the build out of the space to bring it forward into a position that the tenant can use it for their business. So a good good example might be if, if a retail space, like if a, a right, Let's small- edit that one. I didn't like that. All right, <laughs> All right Joel. Go back. So we got- Sorry, Joel. 15. 15- 1505. 
All right. So what is a tenant improvement? When I see that in my lease, uh, I had never known what that meant before. What, what is that? That's typically money that the landlord is going to contribute towards the construction cost of the space to make sure it's configured in a manner that suits the tenant's business. So let's get this in perspective. So if I was a office for like a, an attorney and you want a lot of private offices, right? You don't want to have a big open space. They're going to, the, the landlord's going to help you not do the whole thing, but they're going to help you build a lot of doors, walls to keep it kind of private exactly. versus uh, maybe if it was a retail establishment. So they're selling kids clothes. It's a gymboree. You, you don't have a lot of private offices. In fact, it's almost all open space with some fitting rooms over on the side, right? Exactly. And so it's, one of those things that the landlord is going to offer usually a dollar per square foot amount towards the tenant improvements. So easy math. Let's just say they offer $2 per square foot. You have 2,000 square feet. They're, what they're saying is we're going to give you $4,000 uh, towards, towards building it out. Correct. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons you need to work with a commercial agent that I learned is you need to know is $2 a lot or is $10 a lot or is $100 a lot? And in each market, it varies exactly. a lot, right? It's going to vary a lot, and it's going to vary depending on the space that they're looking at. If it's a gray shell space that's never been occupied, there's going to be a lot more improvements that need to go on. It's going to take a lot longer, a lot more building permits and stuff like that. And, and real quick, a gray shell space basically means bare floor, if there is a floor, bare walls. Like you might go into a space and it's a dirt floor on purpose, right? Because I exactly. can lay my own plumbing. Exactly. Yeah, so the first time I walked into space, I go, what the hell, there's not even a floor here. And you said, well, yeah, you don't know where the water lines are going to go, depending on what kind of business goes in here. Yeah, you might put a barber shop in there that wants sinks. Yeah, you might, eight of them, right? Yeah, eight of them. You might put a gym in there. They want showers and toilets. Yeah, and I mean, kitty corner to our space. Crazy. Remember that 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 tenant, like kind of kitty corner from us, they literally put in a swimming pool. I mean, they, exactly. were, a, they were a swim clinic for kids, and they put in a swimming pool. So so let's say that, uh, that, that the... Um, Tenant improvement money, or the landlord's willing to front the first fifty grand, but the construction cost is a hundred grand, right? Exactly. Who makes up the rest? Well, there's everything's negotiable. There's no free lunch in any of this. Right. You, you are going to pay for it, whether it costs ten thousand or one hundred thousand dollars. It's just how are you going to pay for it? Right. So they're they're really coming forward with money that they're just. At, they're just getting repaid over the life of the lease. So it's a five-year lease. They're saying, hey, we spent $100,000. We're going to get paid that 100000 plus a little bit extra because we helped you out on the front end. Exactly. And so, you know, and if it's a typically a new tenant in a first-generation space, uh -huh. there's going to be a little bit of money that's held back that's already a part of the loan, and it has to do with the lending and stuff. And then anything else, they may roll you more money forward and then amortize that through the life of your lease, but it's going to always be... You're going to have to pay it back anyway. Yeah, it's always going to come back. But it is more convenient for me lease. as a tenant. So it, it's kind I, of a absolutely. synergistic relationship. The, the landlord wants the space to work for you, so you say, I don't ever want to leave, right? Yeah, exactly. But if you get in there and you start wanting granite floors and marble counters and crazy stuff like that, the landlord's going to be like, hey, you know what? I, you're going to have to bring your checkbook to the closing if we're going to do this. Right. Luckily, we want rubber floors and green turf and exactly. stuff that's fairly cheap. Yeah. So so in the end, there's no free lunch, but they may be willing to work with you to kind of give you a space that gets yeah. oh, you to yeah. stay there, right? And one yeah. of the big things you want to do is hopefully have your agent find you a, a landlord that's willing to do what's called a turnkey move-in. Uh -huh. And that means the landlord is going to take care of everything on it. And they're going to work that out to get you in into the space. Right. And now typically you're going to have to agree to a little bit longer length of a lease, though. Correct. If they're coming forward and saying, hey, we're going to make this place exactly what you want, you got to kind of yeah, they're you got to kiss a little butt and say, "All right, well then we'll stick with you. We'll we'll stay at the dance longer with you, right?" Yeah, they're going to want a three to well, typically if they're going to go that far, they're going to want at least a five year lease. One of the big things that you got to make sure is you got to make sure you have some extensions on that lease. So when you come up to the end of your five years on this on this building, you don't want to be going back in and having to renegotiate everything to stay in your space. You want to have, hey, I've got a five-year extension on top of another five-year extension, so I can stay here 15 well, years and let I me have tell a good you a story. idea how to stay. We have a client, uh, you know, person that we're working with, they signed a short lease, three years, and um, they didn't have extensions. So at the end of three years, his business is booming, his practice is kicking butt, 
And he was occupying about a, a quarter of the total building size, yep. right? Well, there was a small business, like an auto parts store, that opened up in two of the four spaces. He opened up in one. The middle area was empty when he opened. Auto parts stores kicking butt. They take over that third space. Guess what happens at the end of three years? Exactly. Bye. Yeah, and he, he was rocking and rolling, ready to negotiate another lease. And they said, hey, thank you very much for being our tenant. Uh, this guy offered us more than you're going to, so we're going to expand into your space. And uh, you got 30 days to hit the bricks, or 60 days, I can't remember what it was. But in the end, he ended up being forced to move, which is one more stress level. So what you're saying is that extension, if I go, uh, what you know, I'll tell you what I heard. A three plus one plus one means what? That's three years with two one-year extensions. Right. So. And so it's typically termed different ways, five plus two plus two or something like that, right? Yeah, or five, five. Sounds like the know, odds on a crafts a table or a sports book, right? It, it's really whatever you want to ask for, what your comfort level is. Right. I mean, if you're going to do a five-year lease, there's no, there's no harm in asking for a five-year extension yeah. on there. You can always, it, it's all negotiations at that point. But you want to yeah. set yourself up for the best position on the exactly. front end. Again, which is why you work with an agent. They know that things. And they're able to say like, hey, this market's growing. You might be the first tenant in a building, but five years later, there's a lot of people knocking on the door of that landlord saying, I want that space, I want that space. Exactly. And if, if you are now that, you have the, the next five years, uh, uh, you've negotiated the next five years in an extension, you may be in a space that now you're underpaying under the market a lot because you, you were the first to market. And that's exactly. always great. And one of the big things, too, to keep in mind is what's the uh, size of the landlord? Mm-hmm. If your landlord is a big national owner of you know shopping centers across yeah. the nation, they're generally going to be a little bit more rigid than, you know, a, a local guy, local, local guy that owns his three or four buildings, three and, or four buildings. Yeah. And he's coming around and he's the guy that's making sure all the gardening's done and all that stuff. Yeah. So usually how commercial leases start out, and again, this is, I didn't know this, but you taught me was the landlord is going to think, Hey, this is a young business we want them to succeed. It's in everybody's best interest that oh, you yeah. succeed, right? So on the front end, they typically have you pay a little bit less rent, and it goes up a little bit every year, right? Correct. What's that termed officially? It's a rent escalation. Okay, so it escalates a little bit every year and goes up. What's a typical size jump that you want to see? I always shot for about 3%. Okay. Escalations. Now, this may change if you have a, a, an older area that's very stable, hasn't really changed. So uh, let me think here. Uh, you know, downtown Los Angeles, right? It's been around for 200 years. It's not changing. But if you're in Austin, parts of Boston, all these places that are growing, Las Vegas is growing right now, you may see some a little bit higher escalation, right? Uh, it, it can depend. It You know, here in Las Vegas, 3% is pretty... Pretty standard across okay. the board. Uh, it depends on the landlord, though. Like your more national landlords, they may tie it to an, an indicate market indicator like CPI or something like that. I mean, it truly depends on. Okay, what the hell is CPI? Uh, consumer price index. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Remember, you're talking about people with, uh, on you there. These are a bunch of people with biology <laughs> degrees, man. We don't know numbers, so. Yeah. So okay. if. If you've got your national lender, they may tie it into, say, a CPI, and you know, so you're not going to know what your what your rent's going to be the following year right. because it's. But what does it look on like on paper? I remember when we let's. You know, I'll just use easy numbers. This will start out at two dollars per square foot the first year. Second yep. year might be two ten. Third year might be two twenty, and it kind of goes up in a little increment like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And okay. so it's going to be market driven on what your market can really bear. So if you're in New York and everybody's charging 5% escalations, guess what? You're going to be right there with everyone else. Yeah. And it's just something that you have to really get that in your mind. You're not going to be able to get out of that happening because they're they're very aware of the market and all that stuff. Yeah. But what we found is our landlord was trying to help us out and started actually below market rate for that yes. first year to say, hey, get your feet under you, you know, get established. And the fifth year of our lease was actually a little bit above market rate, but it all was a wash, right? Yeah. It, well, and you got to remember that you had a huge tenant improvement that went in there. Mm-hmm. And so he's rolling all of that cost right. in on and the you back side of that lease. Landlords don't make any money the first year. But exactly. they make a lot of profit the last year of your lease. Yeah, they're making their money on the last year because 
they they'll go out and borrow the money yeah. to do your tenant improvement build out, and he's right there with you. That landlord is your business partner as soon yeah. as you sign that lease. Now, one thing about landlords, and we'll come back to this a little later, they're willing to play the long game. Yes. That's why they're commercial real estate owners. They've they've mastered the long play in money. So, anyways, uh, usually, and again, it changes in every market. But how long is that landlord going to look for you to be a tenant? That's going to vary. Typically on a first generation space or a larger project, they're going to look for a three to five year commitment. Okay. And if, and if you walk over to a place and that landlord is saying, hey, this is bare dirt or this is yeah. just a foundation, I'm willing to build it up and put exactly what you want in there. They're not going to do that for a six month dance, right? Exactly. So they're, the people that want to come in and say, well, I want to try it out for a year. Well, I'll try it out on someone else's dime. Yeah. Why don't you go to your wife and say, I want to try out something else for a year see how that goes over, and the landlord's even less willing to do that, right? Exactly. Yeah. So now if you find a second-generation space that you see and... And all that means second-generation is it's already roughly built out. We're just going to ch- move a couple walls, but not too much or, work. Well, not even it's... It, it was Say you find a space that was occupied by another chiropractor. Okay. And you go in there and you're like, you know what, this would work. Okay. We can come in here, we can do... Maybe what demo these two do. walls, but otherwise yeah, maybe we're going to demo a wall or two. We paint, can make it carpet. Work. Then they're going to be a little bit more open to doing shorter something terms. shorter term. But okay. you know, same thing. It all depends. If we're in a recession, you're going to find landlords willing willing to do one year leases all day long, and they'll have a guy out there washing and waxing your car just for stopping by exactly. the space. Right? But if yeah. we're in a market like we are now, where mm-hmm. things are going really good, they're going to hold out. They'll they'll wait for that guy that's willing to do three years mm-hmm. over taking the guy that'll only do one. Right. I mean, you look at the Las Vegas Strip, for example. It's, it's incredibly valuable real estate. They're not going to let anybody uh, anybody into a space there that's not doing this for a long play, right? Exactly. And they're not going to let uh, Bozo's fidget spinners open up in a big space that's going to be gone in six months. Exactly. Yeah. So when you see these leases, again, there's always this kind of language. Obviously, in medicine, we have our own language, you know, like tendonitis and bursitis and everything. There's certain um, I don't know which one to call them phrases or acronyms that you know make sense to us in medicine. Now there's some in, in commercial real estate. I want to ask you about a couple of those. What are CAMs? When I see that in a lease, what are CAMs? So CAM is going to be the common area maintenance fee. Uh-huh. And so what that is is that's similar to an HOA. Okay. Basically, yep. it's the fee that the landlord's charging on top of your lease rate. That covers all the common area expenses, such as having the parking lot, you know, not have sweat. trash in it. Yeah, yeah, having the snow removal, things of that nature. Trees are being trimmed. The gardening's taken exactly. care of. Exactly, and all the little things. It's going to depend on the type of lease that you have, on how much that cam is, and where it is in the money that you're paying. Okay. So if you've got something that's called a full service lease, and you're mm-hmm. typically not going to see this with within the medical realm that okay. you guys work in, that all, most of those expenses are all part of the lease rate already factored in. <coughs> and then if you, you know, then every year what's going to end up happening is there might be a little bit of a bump over the right. the escalation. Hey, we had to uh, restripe the parking lot this exactly. year, so there's a little raise You're going to pay for it next year. Yeah, okay. And so you end up with a little bit more bump in your, your fees and your mm-hmm. rent. Uh, then there's a modified gross lease and a gross lease, which is also a called a triple net lease or a net 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 or n n n on a lease. Yeah. Okay. And so a lot of times, cam the the cams and triple net is kind of an interchangeable term. Right. And it and what I've learned in, in the very little experience, obviously you have way more experiences. Again, I'll go back. This is why I use a professional because they'll know that in your market, what is Reasonable and customary. Exactly. And you know how much do things really cost? And is this jump, this cam, reasonable? Or is this person trying to kind of hide some profit margin in there? Things like that, right? Yeah, and typically the landlords are pretty good about that. But Well, the other side of the coin that I've seen is you know, we have a, f- a friend that opened up like a barbecue shop, didn't want to pay a lot, went to a space where the cams are super low. Exactly. And what does that mean? That means that you show up to your business on a Monday morning, you got customers coming in, there's trash, broken bottles, there's graffiti that hasn't been repainted because there's no money to actually pay for cleanup and everything, right? Uh, yeah, typically. And you know, and the big thing is is finding spaces where they're not way overcharging cams. Mm-hmm. And one of the, you know, a little tip on that is make sure your agent caps the increases on your cams every year. 
Yeah, this is a little pro tip right there. Because uh, he kind of mentioned that offhand, but you, I'm sure you could tell a story about this. You know, and the other big thing you got to make sure is you are paying a pro rata share on the cams. So not, that sounds technical. What does that mean? So pro rata share, say you've got a building with four tenants in there. Okay. And you're occupying 25% of the building space. You want to be paying 25% of what the cams are for the entire building. Right. And you want that capped because if two of the tenants go out of that building and now all of a sudden there's only 50% occupied, you don't want to be paying half of the cams to take care right. of the entire your building. Your cam's just now doubled. Yeah, your cam saying. essentially doubled at that yeah. point. So you want to make sure that you're only paying a pro rata share based upon your square footage. Okay. That's a, another pro tip, and again, why you work with an agent. All right, so uh, I remember when we had our lease written up, uh, you know, at the front of they're like, hey, we're going to give you three months of rent. We're going to give you six free months over your five-year term. And I was like, hell yeah, they're cutting a half a year off, right? Nothing better than free. Absolutely. And they just must <laughs> like me. I must be good looking. They must uh, think very highly of my my business. You said, don't don't get too excited. Again, there's no free lunch. Yeah, no free lunch in that. And, and free rent is a term that I feel is a little bit misleading. There's no real such thing as free rent. What, the way it comes out in the lease is it's abated rent. It, it's like free break inspection, right? Nobody's doing it because they want to lose money. Exactly. And it's going to be market-driven how much you get. Uh, it's usually spread across the term of the lease. So say you're doing a three-year lease. Uh-huh. Maybe they're going to give you two months free rent the first year, or I'm sorry, abated rent the first year, uh-huh. and then the second year, maybe one month. Okay. And the big thing is, is you got to always remember the landlord's looking at the bottom line number at this. Right. And if you're negotiating month to month and he's negotiating because he wants to make $50,000, say, over the three-year term of your lease, he can move those numbers any way he wants as long as he hits that end goal. Right. Over so over fi- a five-year lease, if it's a total of $600,000, we can push a little into this month or push it off for a year, whatever, but he's going to get his $600,000 no matter what. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so the big thing is, is you don't, one of the big things is, is you don't want to try for this all up front. You, yeah, because what you're saying to the landlord is, hey, this is risky, right? I want you to pay for the build out. I want to occupy this space. You're going to sign a long year, uh, long multi-year lease. And oh, by the way, uh, I, I don't want to really pay up front, man. Yeah. Well, and the, the big thing is you got to remember your, your lease rate drops, or I'm, I'm sorry, your lease rate raises over uh-huh. the term of the lease. Right. And so a month of abated rent in the first year, not nearly as not uh, nearly as much as a month of abated rent in the fifth year. Yeah. Okay. Now, why are some reasons that they give out like abated uh, abated rent or whatever? And if you ask for it that third or fourth year, why would they give it to you? Well, the big reason is that it it induces you to be a good tenant. Right. Because you're saying if I keep my nose clean, I pay you on time, yeah, I never miss a payment. Hey, uh, you know, will you give me some some money for a movie, pops? Exactly. If if you miss a payment if you're late, if you're not paying your cams on time, if you don't pay back cam charges that came up that right. you're you're gonna end up having to pay back all that abated rent. And right. it's always spelled out explicitly in the lease that that abated rent is something that is only there and you only qualify for it as long as you meet all the terms right. of your lease. You never lease. exceeded the grace period of rent. It was always due on the by the 5th. You made it every month. Exactly. Your, your wife comes in, parks her car in the handicap zone and brings her dog into the right. building. Bam, you lost it. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist working long hours, worrying about lower repayments and missing out on quality time with your family? You can double your income without working more hours by adding a gym to your practice. Clinic Gym Hybrid Solutions has a step-by-step guide that dramatically simplifies and speeds up the addition of a fitness center and its monthly recurring revenue. In just six months, you can be on your way to freedom. Visit clinicgymhybrid.com today for a free downloadable PDF and complimentary consultation to get you started. That's clinicgymhybrid.com. You know, sometimes um, landlords or or other agents may be a little misleading, right? They'll rewrite the lease. Again, that person wants that $600,000, but they'll make it, they'll dress it up as much as they can. In residential 
real estate. It's the handyman special. Really translated as a, a shack that's falling down and needs repair, right? Exactly. Now, in commercial real estate, they don't do that. But what they do is maybe they fudge the way it's written. It's not a triple net. or There's some different ways to make it appear on paper like a better deal. But again, a commercial real estate agent can look at those and go, hey, like, let me look at this to, to be equivalent. And that's why you want an agent, right? They're going to help you kind of see through all those things, whether it's abated rent or cams or, um, you know, it's hard to compare those spaces, especially if the lease is written differently. It, it is. It, it can be really difficult, you know, when you're balancing a modified gross lease versus a triple net lease. You've got to understand what the market rates of those cams are and stuff and how to break that out and back some of those numbers out and right. balance Again, it out. Just hire <laughs> hire an agent. There's it, no front end cost to you, and they're going to make money only after you have a good deal, the landlord has a good deal, and everybody's happy, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I'm just, anybody that doesn't want to hire an agent, I'm like, I don't understand like why. That's a no-lose situation. Well, it's like not hiring an attorney. Yeah, it, which always works out. So uh, maybe it doesn't. All right, so <laughs> let's talk about this. I got a small space. I'm a young doctor, been in practice for three years. I want to expand my my uh, my clinic and my gym, so I'm going to sign on for some bigger space. What is that landlord going to want from you besides the agreement to a lease? Landlord oftentimes are going to want to know what your business plan is, right? And it could sometimes it could just be a one page written up business plan, but that's going to going to kind of smooth things out for you if you have that already in place. They're probably going to ask for financials They're as well, They're going to right? want your financials. They're going to want to see your bank statements. They're going to want to see a couple past years of your income taxes. Now, that may be a tough situation, especially a new doctor in practice. But if you can show, for example, in your P&L or your um, balance sheet, like year-over-year growth, month-over-month growth, mm-hmm. that's going to reassure the landlord, like, hey, this, this person's actually working hard. They're marketing their business. They're growing. Yeah, and, financial responsibility. Right. You know, the fact that you're going to be able to pay the rent. Right. And by the way, like little things will make a big difference here. Like it it doesn't sound like that, but the ease at which you give them the financials is a big deal, right? If they ask you for financials and you're like, oh, well, uh," and six months later, oh, well, uh, well, I don't, I don't give my financials out to anyone. Well, then go rent space from someone else. Right. Yeah. Okay. How it rolls. Yeah. Make sure you have those financials in order. Give it to them very quickly. Right. I mean, this should be the Two clicks of a mouse on QuickBooks Pro. Like, we're talking about a small business here. Like, yeah. And, you know, and the agents don't really want to be going through your personal stuff and things yeah. like that. And typically what I would always do is I'd get a good feeling from the tenant and then I would move the, I would just move that documentation straight from my client to the landlord to make sure mm-hmm. I didn't really have knowledge of what that was. Right, you're just keep one less set of eyes off of it. Right. And I remember you were talking about a, a certain uh, a notorious medical professional in our area <laughs> that every time you asked for financials, he started sweating profusely and changed the subject and asked you if you've watched the Super Bowl, everything but give you the financials, right? Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And you couldn't find him any space because no landlord is willing to work with him because he was just refusing to do that. Exactly. And big dreams, no money, yeah. didn't work out. Yeah. And uh He's had a he's had a tough a tough road, but anyways, uh, so a lot of times, and they did this in us. The, the landlord will ask for a personal guarantee, right? Yes. And so what they're saying is, it's great that you got a business, great that you want to expand that business, but if you leave, the landlord's sitting there stuck with nothing, just a space that's built out. Yep, and they are not going to let you off the hook, right? Wh- after having done the TIs or that sort of thing. Right. So getting out of signing a personal guarantee, it's, it's very unlikely in my, mm-hmm. my experience. So let me ask you about this. Uh, you know, our landlord wanted one, and I know you talked about this, but in this size space, is it pretty common to get a, uh, be asked for a personal guarantee? Yeah, pretty much every time. It's really uncommon for a landlord to not ask for a personal guarantee unless you're a large, you know, Fortune 500 company. So if you're a U.S. bank like opening another branch, they're not going to ask for the CEO's personal guarantee. But if it's exactly if it's Smith uh, Chiropractic and and Wellness, you, you got to. That's the only branch they're they're going to ask you for one, right? Yeah, they're going to go for it. it. There's no reason for you to be too concerned about that. Okay. But it, they are, again, yeah. the landlord is interested in you succeeding, right? They're not just trying to bilk you for money. 
the longer you're a tenant, the more money they make. Exactly. It is a business. And they are selling, they're in the business of selling space. So they want to see you succeed, but they also don't want to put themselves at risk. They want to see them succeed as well. Exactly. Yeah. So what are some common like uh, issues that that get missed or that cause problems? Again, not in the first year, but that fifth year we're looking at, what the hell is this? Like I I never knew it was going to cost this much. I didn't know about that. Yeah. I would say the number one biggest issue that gets missed with clients is that they don't understand the lease they're signing. Okay. And kind of go into that. This is the person that just signs at the bottom. They say, hey, the landlord seemed like a nice guy. He he was trying to help me out. And my agent said, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. And, you know, everybody glazes over that paperwork when they buy a house. Everybody (laughs) opens that box with the software and agrees to the terms in when conditions, they yeah. in conditions when they install a new app on their phone. With this, you've really got to make sure you know what's going on because you don't want to get blindsided a couple years in. All right, let's talk about a big one. I know that's affected a lot of people here in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, it's kind of the opposite of Boston. In Boston, you cannot have a space that doesn't have heat in it, right? Yeah, and yeah. having the parking lot clear to snow. Yeah, there you go. And here, you cannot operate a, a space in the summer without air conditioning, right? Exactly. And, That's and for a 5,000-square-foot space, I remember we had two units on our, our roof. Each one was, I think, seven grand, right? Yep. And I remember you helped us out by saying, hey, let's double-check what the HV, HVAC requirements were. And lo and behold, it said that we were fully responsible for anything that went wrong. Exactly. Now, that initially was the, ca- the case. Uh, Matt, was that your name, Matt? Yeah. Matt, <laughs> yeah. Matt later, <laughs> Matt helped us out and said, hey, the, the fire sprinkler system... Uh, the HVAC units are all installed by the landlord, yes. and and uh, so we didn't have to front that initial cost because we didn't have an extra fifteen grand laying around. But the good news is, I don't know if you knew this, but last year we had a fire sprinkler pipe burst. Yeah, and you know it's flooding our space. We have to get it cleaned up. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, it's it's pulling down the insulation, blah blah blah. Well, when they went in, we, you know, the uh, property manager was like, "Well, you got to look at your lease again." Another reason to know it. Exactly. You got to look at your lease, and it said fire sprinklers are the responsibility of the landlord. So I think it was, uh, I don't remember, thirty two hundred dollars to fix it. Guess what? We didn't have to pay. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I, that's one of those small things. It seems like another line item in that lease that you really need to understand because that's a potential cost you a lot of money, right? Exactly. And one of the big things here with the the air conditioning, I always tell people. Even if the landlord is responsible for the maintenance on your air conditioning unit, you want to double check that because the landlord doesn't lose money if your AC unit goes down and you lose two days of business and revenue because that's out. Right. If you figure a clinic, you know, a lot of these clinics operate about a thousand bucks a day and the, you know, they're 20 business days a month. You're talking about 20 grand. All of a sudden that AC unit goes out and it's two or three days of repair. Well, that's two or three grand that's not coming in. And exactly. you still got to pay your employees. You still got to pay for the space, all those things. I'll tell you one that we saw a lot in a gym. We had showers. And Matt told us, do not put in showers. <laughs> and then repeatedly told us, don't put in showers. And, and you know, being who I am, I'm like, oh, well, I'm way smarter than you. Like, uh, you'll see. And let me tell you guys, don't put in showers. <laughs> yeah. But one thing that we saw is in the women's bathroom, you know, women, when they take a shower, they freaking hair goes over, clogs the drain. That drain in the shower flooded three or four times, flooded out yep. to the bathroom. And being women, they have they will not walk through a flooded bathroom, even if it's, it's clean shower water. It's crazy. I know. So, you know, we had to have a guy come in and roto-rooter it. And finally, we, got, we said, hey, every three months, whether we need it or not, just snake that drain. Because that little thing, I can't remember what it was. The guy said, we'll do it for 120 bucks a time. So you're talking about less than 500 bucks to have your clients have the perception that you care. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So little things like that. Maintenance is such a big deal. Any other maintenance? I know you said snow removal is a big deal in some parts of the country. HVAC unit. Yeah, roof, depending Ooh, on that's the age a good of one, the building. Yeah. If the roof is older and you're responsible for it, you know, be, buyer beware. Yeah. I know up in Montana, a couple of my friends, uh, you know, the, the, the parking lot's plowed, but the sidewalks aren't shoveled. Well, yep. when you're running late, dropping the kids off at school, and you show up to your office and there's a foot of fresh snow, like... That can get old quick, you know, and Sally, the receptionist, not too keen on shoveling snow. Exactly. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, another thing that I remember you brought up that I just, again, never occurred to me was uh, we talked about parking and parking parking spaces. 
Yeah, parking is a huge thing. And you've got to find out what your parking ratio is for any building that you're going to look at moving into. Okay. And typically, how is this listed? A parking ratio? What, what the hell does that mean? So what you'll see is it'll be, it'll be listed as something like 3 to 1 or 5 to 1, or maybe it'll say 3 to 1,000, 5 to 1,000. What both of those mean is if I've got a 3 to 1 parking ratio, that means for every th- 1,000 square feet, you have that you're leasing, you're going to have three parking spaces that are available in the parking lot for your business. Okay. So if I've got 10,000 square feet and it's a, and it's a three to one, that means I got 10 times three, I got 30 parking spaces, you got 30 parking spaces, which is awesome. Except let's knock that down. I've got a 4,000 square foot space exactly. and I've got a three to one. That's 12 parking spaces for me but I've got 20 people in my exercise class and three people in the clinic. Oh, and by the way, I've got six employees. Exactly. So it gets t- pretty tight, right? It gets pretty tight, and that's where the landlord's going to look at your use, your use and have an issue with it. Right, and, and I, you I can't remember bring all these people in. And you were talking about like the these CrossFits that are opening in warehouses, and warehouses have very low parking ratios, right? Because they're like, hey, you're going to be warehousing pallets of, of bath towels, so it's... Yeah, it's 40,000 square feet, but there's not 40 parking spaces. Exactly. There might be three employees in the back of the warehouse right. and five up front. Right. So it's a, it's a much different ratio. So that's a big deal. The other thing is, where is that parking? I, I know it sounds crazy, but you know, in our space, there was a, a line of parking spaces along one side of our building. And so the assumption would be, hey, we get, I can't remember, you negotiated for us 12 parking spaces. Well, the parking map was addendum, you know, uh, K or something that we I wouldn't exactly. even have looked at, but you told me to, said that two of those parking spaces are next to the building and the other 10 were like a block away almost in this very large open parking area. And, you know, not a big deal when it's, when every space isn't occupied, but as soon as every other space gets occupied, it becomes a big deal, right? Exactly. And then once the other tenants start complaining about your client's parking and taking up too much parking, it starts to become a real nightmare for right. you. Right, and then go back to that abated rent or something like that. This exactly. may violate that abated rent, right? Yeah, depending on the landlord's, you know, if they're hot about it or not. Yeah. Okay, so this may be an issue because you might at some points have 30 people on site between employees and people in classes or, you you know, at 5 o'clock, you're going to change from the 4 to the 5 o'clock. So there's 20 people in the 4 o'clock. There's 20 more in the 5 o'clock. You got your employees. You got your patients. And you're looking for 50 freaking parking spaces and you're only allowed 10, man, you got a problem. Yeah. And then one of the other big things to take into consideration is if you're doing gym type classes that, you know, I know a lot of the smaller gyms, they do a lot of outdoor type things. They want to get everybody outside. They want to have people running around the buildings. Right. They're dragging tires or sleds and all that stuff. Exactly. And if you've got a trucking company down, from you and a construction company and things sure. like that. One, the tenants and the landlord don't want to have people just coming through there willy nilly. And the other, t- you know, you don't, as a gym owner and a business owner, want to have one of your clients get hurt being right. in that industrial area where you might have a guy driving a forklift that's not paying any attention. Right. And then you go back to your insurance company, you say, hey, one of our members got injured and they say, what exercise were they doing? Well, they were actually a block and a half away, running outside, uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, there's not a good explanation there. Yeah, that's a bad, bad rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, so, all right. Uh, now, another thing that I, that I remember you bringing up was signage. Yes. Okay. What, what are some common mistakes or kind of things to consider with signage? Uh, one of the things is finding out what the building signage is available. If they have a big monument sign that's out on a main street. So this would be the big, like, 30-foot tall one that has... All 12 businesses listed, but everybody gets that spot. It looks like, what is it, like 12 inches by 4 feet or something. It's like 1 by 4 foot space, 12 names, everybody's the same size, right? Yeah, exactly. Finding out if there's a monthly cost for that, a lot of times that is tacked on top of your rent if you want to have that. And also building signage. One of the big things is with your building signage, is is your space, you know, really in a position where it can be seen from the street as cars right, are driving prominent, by. Right, If you put up yeah. a big sign spend a lot of money, can anybody even see it? Exactly. And, I mean, I would suggest with a lot of people doing the gyms and things like that, you want to make sure that your space is located prominent enough on a main street that the signage on the building is visible. 
it typically in my experience people look for the building signs they don't necessarily look on the big you know marquee right that's now another thing is the landlord may specify on the building signage how much square footage of the side of the building you get exactly exceed you know, uh, I don't know, 100 square feet or 12, 20 square feet or whatever the deal is, right? Yeah, and certain types of font and colors and things like that. And typically that is all, you know, mandated by local zoning. Right, but then they might have a requirement that if you are going to put up a sign, it has to be LED uh, cans yeah. that are, you know, that that's sort of yeah, expensive. And th- yeah, and they have to approve the signage, and it'll be in the lease that the landlord approves your signage before you start putting anything on the side of the building. Right, and so you want to know that. Uh, so you have that opportunity, and and that, that can all be negotiated, right? That monument sign, you can ask for, hey, I want that, that top spot, and maybe they'll give it to you, maybe they won't, but a lot yeah. easier to get it on the front end than yeah. ask oh, yeah. for it midway, right? you got to ask for it up front. Yeah. All right. So I know, I know you, you know, uh, Matt here is a highly paid commercial real estate guy, and we're at his palatial estate here east of Las Vegas. Uh, and I don't want to take too much time, but it, could you run down maybe some just common – Kind of rookie mistakes people make when they're they're first getting their their first expanding or they're getting to their first thing. What are some uh, what are some things? Now here's here's one I'll admit to this idea that well that landlord is going to want a tenant rather than have that space open, right? So any tenant's better, and we're we're certainly better than anything. Exactly. Uh, that that is definitely something I've had many arguments with you know potential tenants in front of a giant vacant building. Thinking, you know, this landlord, he has to want anybody. This has been open for two years. There's no way he won't want us. Exactly. And like you had said before, these guys are in this for the long game. And if the landlord's envisioning, hey, I've got this 40,000 square foot retail center and I'm going to have two tenants in there. And he's going to wait to get those two tenants in there, regardless of if it takes six months or it takes six years. And it's all dependent on what they're financing situation is in the building and things of that nature. But it, just because you feel that you should or you want to be in that space doesn't mean that the landlord shares your same thoughts. Now, how about, um, you know, we all think we have the best product. We all off, we all offer the best service, and our business plan, woo, dog, is better than anybody's, right? Have you oh, yeah. ever seen anybody that's a little, maybe a little too hot for themselves initially? Oh, of course. If by the time you get to the point that you're willing to write a check to start your own business, if if you're not confident, maybe you shouldn't be going into business. That's true. But typically one of the things that you have to do as an agent and as a landlord is you have to really respect the fact that these guys are very anxious to get in, get going, and they're very confident in what they're doing. But you can't let Joe Blow open his coffee shop right next to Starbucks because, you know, he may have a better cup of coffee, but he's not Starbucks and he won't right. put him out of business. Right. Even though he told his mom and and his uh, mother-in-law that invested in him that it's going to happen, it ain't going to happen. Exactly. Right? It, it's just not going to happen. So you got to you gotta be realistic with your business plan and, and where you're at and what your your numbers are. Now we have a mutual friend who's a real estate attorney and uh, you've engaged him multiple times to uh, to save some people, right? Absolutely. But saving is very expensive. Prevention very. is a lot. Prevention cheaper, right? is far cheap. Now, if you have a of a lease, um, you know, you recommended have an attorney just review it, just just in case. Like there yeah. may be things that the commercial agent missed, or that you don't realize in a medical setting or in a specific business to kind of open you up to some other issues, right? Absolutely. Would you recommend they have it reviewed by a real estate attorney? Yeah, a competent commercial real estate attorney. Okay, Don't so, take it over to your family law practitioner or something. So chiropractors, you got a friend who's a, a personal injury attorney. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's helped you out. He's made you some money. He's not the guy to review this. Like You, exactly. you need to have somebody that's specialized. Again, it's cardiologist versus endocrinologist versus uh, versus orthopedic surgeon. Like They're all competent doctors. But they have a specialty, and find that person with specialty. Now, how can I get a hold of a good commercial real estate attorney? Well, my uh, the the commercial real estate agent will probably yeah. know a few. Right. Typically, the agent will know a couple of good attorneys. Okay. And if you've done your homework there, you'll be you should be pretty good to go. Okay. The other thing is is you know pick up the phone and ask a few questions, uh-huh. and ask them you know hey how many leases have you reviewed? Okay. You know do you deal with you know, you want a transactional 
attorney. You don't want a litigation attorney right. in this The guy situation. might be a killer They're in court. Very different. But uh, the guy that defended O.J. Simpson is not the guy I want reviewing my lease, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, what's the... What's the kiss of death? So I, I come to you. I'm a young businessman. I'm like, hey, I'm really excited. My uh, my my commercial agent worked with me, and you know he really took it to the landlord, and he got us a bunch of cheap rent. Got us really cheap rent, right? What does that term mean to you? Uh, cheap rent to me means that you are in a bad space. Yeah, there's a reason it's cheap, right? Exactly. And one of the one of the best examples that I can say of this is I know a tenant here locally that is one of the better restaurants in his his genre right. out there. And so if there's a bunch of hamburger it, joints, this guy's making yeah, some of the best hamburgers around. Best hamburgers that you've had. Yeah, I've had them. They're delicious. They're amazing. And he is in probably one of the worst spaces I've seen to put a hamburger joint. Right. If you were to draw and, a diagram of where not to put a restaurant. Exactly. He, he makes that look good, right? Now, there's another burger joint probably two miles from him that is in... Top, top space and they are absolutely horrible but you go in there you got to wait in a line you're sitting for 30 minutes to get your food and it's the complete complete situation complete opposite of of what this delicious uh, perfect product horrible placement exactly doesn't ever overcome great placement with a questionable product i mean mcdonald's yeah. did not uh mcdonald's is not willing to go into the th- third row of a retail space. Yeah, right? it defines the location, location, location right. and scenario. Let's be honest. Their, their product's not that great. It's convenient. It's fast. But there's a reason they want to be prominently displayed on the street corner because they want you to be, they want to be the convenient solution. Right? Exactly. People drive by and they look at the signs on the building and stop in. All right. Now, I'm sure some people are thinking, all right, I'll get a commercial agent. I'll find a landlord. That landlord's going to want a young, professional you know, we got a, a 31-year-old woman that graduated chiropractic college five years ago. She's adding a gym. Everybody loves her. Her services are great. And she's going to try and for a power position with the landlord and say, hey, you want me as a tenant, right? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So landlords, typically gyms, I kind of lump in with one of the three kiss of death tenants. Uh-oh. And so gyms, churches, and martial arts studios. Okay. Landlords are typically very wary of those three uses coming into their space. So if you're going into a retail space, it's already got a church, a gym, and a martial arts studio all in the same plaza. Maybe run, huh? Yeah, maybe run. And one of the big things is is it's just basic math. They are the highest level of default for yeah, and tenants. The other side of the coin is it, there's a low barrier to entry because the, in an open space gym, an open martial arts studio or an open church that has space for a congregation, there's not a big commitment of, hey, I need a new space. Like, you can open up in the gym of a YMCA with most of those three businesses, right? Exactly. And, and the big thing with it is is it's the amount of money that you're bringing in per square foot of space that you need. Now, now kind of define that. So let's say, um, let me think. Uh, I know that there's a big office building, has a Berkshire Hathaway Residential real estate place probably has, I don't know, a couple hundred agents in a relatively smaller space, right? Exactly. So that's a high amount of income, lower amount of space. Lower amount of space. So if you have a law firm in a, in a 10,000 square foot space, and there each attorney is only, ta- you can shove in 10,000 square feet, hell, you could shove 20, 30, 50 employ- uh, attorneys in there, right? Exactly. Whereas you have a 10,000 square foot gym and you're charging $100 a month. For memberships, you've uh-huh. got to bring a lot of people in there to just get that up and break even. Right. Okay. So, so those landlords may not be may not put you in the first position. Don't take that as offense. They're just looking to have a long term tenant that's successful, right? Exactly. And, and again, they're going to ask they're going to ask for your financials and your business plan. And the faster you give that to them, the more confident they're going to be. Like this is something I can maybe bet on. Exactly. And one of the big things that you have with this business plan that's really gives it more legs is having the chiropractic clinic as a part of the gym. So the landlords are going to be more comfortable that that clinic's going to carry over. And, and So gonna, you as a doctor uh, up against the local CrossFit owner going for exactly the same 5,000 square feet of gym space, you you have a little bit more clout. Uh, 
clout and perception of, hey, this person's got a quote-unquote real business that'll be around for a long time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, let's hope that landlords don't un- don't uh, look at how insurance repayments have been going for the last 10 years <laughs> and factor that in, but for the most part, it is a pretty stable business. All right, well, listen, uh, Matt, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate it. Um, if anybody's got any questions for Matt, it's too bad, so sad. You can't email him. Uh, forget you ever heard of him. Take this recording, tear it up, burn it, throw it in the trash can, and act like you never heard it. But seriously, Matt, it was great having you. I really appreciate all the information you've given us. And just have them email you. I have no problem following up and answering some questions for you. Okay. And um, But for the most part, once they find a really good agent in their area, that it makes this process good. super easy, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it, the big thing is you just got to be patient and roll with it because it, it's not something that's going to happen in 30 days. It takes time to get through all this stuff. Right, and, and, and this is where space. you're, you got to remember, like you want to take time because this is the space you're going to be committed to. You're going to spend more time in this space, honestly, than you do at your own house for the most part, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. And I, at one point we looked for, what, over a year for yeah. one of your spaces. Yeah, and there were a lot that we thought were okay, and you're like, I'm telling you, this isn't it. Move on, move on, move on. And having that confidence certainly set us up with a much better space. So, well, this is Dr. Josh on uh, uh, for Matt saying, uh, go maximize your license, create that recurring revenue, find that space. This is a no-brainer business. You're going you're gonna to be wildly successful. Uh, any questions, feel free to email me if we can provide any information, and I'll run it by Matt. In a, you know, I'll uh, get one of those manila folders, act like I never met you, and just pass it off as we walk by each other in the hallway, okay? Sounds perfect. All right. All right, everybody, this is Clinic Gym Radio. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.